The recent eruption of Tal Volcano in the Philippine Islands by Charles Davison. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. In the island of Luzon, nearly 40 miles south of Manila, lies Lake Bombon. Near the center of this lake, from Volcano Island, there rises Tal Volcano, which by its eruption last January 30th caused so much damage to the surrounding villages. The crater walls vary in height. At no point are they lower than 492 feet. At the highest, they rise to 996 feet. When the United States government took over the Philippine Islands at the close of the last century, they acquired the services of a Jesuit priest, the Reverend M. Sendera Masso, who for many years had studied and published valuable reports on the earthquakes and volcanoes of that unstable group of islands. Being appointed an assistant director of the U.S. Weather Bureau, Father Sodero Masso has continued his useful work, one of the latest results of which is the investigation of the recent eruption of Tal Volcano. Of his interesting report on this eruption, a summary is given in the present note. During the night of January 27th to the 28th, the volcano issued the first warnings of the coming eruption. Instead of the usual clouds of white steam, great puffs of black smoke were emitted from the main crater, accompanied by rumbling sounds and tremors. On January 28th and 29th, explosions and earthquakes became more frequent and stronger, until at about 2.20 a.m. on January 30th, they culminated in a tremendous explosion, the sound of which is said to have been heard at a distance of 250 miles. A huge black cloud rose from the crater, lit up by flashes of lightning, vivid sparks, and bursting globes of fire. A heavy fall of boiling mud followed the explosion and destroyed all the vegetation and the flimsy houses on Volcano Island and along the western and northwestern shores of the lake to a distance of 10 miles from the crater and caused the death of between 1,250 and 1,300 of their inhabitants. On the accompanying sketch map reproduced from Father Sodero Masso's report, the black dots indicate the towns and villages that were obliterated and the small crosses those that were damaged. After the eruption, there was a rush of air towards the volcano, which was noticeable for many miles around. Barometers registered a rapid fall of atmospheric pressure, which at Batangas, 17 miles from the volcano, amounted to about one-twelfth of an inch, and at Manila, 39 miles, to one-twenty-fifth of an inch. The distribution of the volcanic mud was governed by the direction of the prevailing wind, which was from the southeast. On Volcano Island and the western and northwestern shores of the lake, the mud formed a layer from two to three feet in thickness. With increasing distance, its thickness gradually diminished, until beyond a distance of 15 miles only gray, gritty dust was deposited. The finer dust was, of course, carried still farther, and on the morning after the eruption, some fell at Manila. On the southeastern shore of the lake, no mud was to be seen, and only a little was deposited on the eastern and northeastern shores. After the great eruption of January 30th, no other outburst of any importance took place, and the earthquake shocks soon diminished both in frequency and strength until they practically ceased on February 7th. Along the shores of the lake, the damage was increased by the waves produced in the lake, which reached a height of 10 feet. Here and farther inland, some injury was caused by earthquakes, more by the continual shaking than by the actual strength of any shock, for none of them attained a destructive degree of intensity. At the Observatory of Manila, nearly 1,000 shocks were recorded between the evening of January 27th and February 7th, 
none of which in that city reached an intensity greater than the fourth degree of the Rossi-Forel scale of intensity. In other words, the strongest were capable of making doors, windows, fire irons, etc. rattle. They produced a trembling sensation like that felt on a station platform when an express train passes. Other shocks of the third degree were just sufficiently strong to be felt by human beings. The great majority of the shocks were of the second and first degrees of intensity. They were micro-seismic movements requiring rather delicate instruments for their detection. The following table, founded on that given in Father Sidero Masso's report, shows the number of shocks of each degree registered at Manila from 11.6 p.m. on January 27 to February 7th. Intensity shocks on the Rossi-Farrell scale. January 27th, 2 third degree, 3 second degree, 21 first degree. January 28th, 10 fourth degree, 21 third degree, 31 second degree, 135 first degree. January 29th, 9 fourth degree, 9 third degree, 28 second degree, 67 first degree. January 30th, 8 fourth degree, 10 third degree, 16 second degree, 62 first degree. January 31st, 16 fourth degree, 16 third degree, 28 second degree, 139 first degree. February 1st, 12 fourth degree, 11 third degree, 18 second degree, 89 first degree. February 2nd, 4 fourth degree, 3 third degree, 9 second degree, 61 first degree. February 3rd, no fourth degree, 2 third degree, 7 second degree, 46 first degree. February 4th, 2 fourth degree, 2 third degree, 3 second degree, 32 first degree. February 5th, 1 fourth degree, no third degree, 3 second degree, 23 first degree. February 6th, no fourth or third degree, 1 second degree, 14 first degree. February 7th, no fourth degree, 1 third degree, no second degree, 11 first degree. It will be noticed that the shocks were most frequent on the day following the beginning of the eruption and on that after the Great Explosion. As this occurred at 2.20 a.m. on January 30th, it is evident that the explosion caused a temporary relief of the internal strains, such as might well give rise to the old view according to which volcanic eruptions were the safety valves that shielded us from earthquakes. End of The Recent Eruption of Tall Volcano in the Philippine Islands by Charles Davison. Knowledge, 1911.